they're all wearing hats or whatever. Points to you, patriarchy. Tea everywhere. Everywhere. Are you coming on to me? Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Palm Court. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. Let's go shopping! <laughs> We're playing around with that. We, <laughs> we are. We still don't know what to do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just to say that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I say it all the time. She does. Anytime we have to go anywhere and buy stuff, I'm like, (laughs) let's go shopping! Yeah, and then then we go shopping. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, welcome back. This Mm -hmm. is Mr. Selfridge, Series 3, Episode 2. That's correct. Uh, A little slight change already (laughs) in programming. Uh, We're recording this a little early because of our travel schedules coming mm-hmm. up. Uh, so this episode does not have any Ellen love letters because Correct. we have not received any. Yes. Uh, but we have not yet posted the first episode. Right. Which we're sure you all love. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you are like, <laughs> man, I can't wait for the second episode because that first episode, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, but if you do want to send us a love letter, you can write to us for ups. We're up yours downstairs at gmail.com and you can also, uh, tweet. We are at Palm Court Cast on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can also visit the up yours downstairs Facebook page. This is all very confusing <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, that's a generally true statement. Yeah. So just Google, <laughs> use the Google. Yeah. And then figure it out. Yeah. So anyway, so we can just get straight into the recap then. We can. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So we start off with a uh, public service announcement about pirating things, (laughs) (laughs) which is that if you do, you may end up with an episode of Mr. Selfridge that inexplicably begins with the universal movie, like, thing. Yeah, the... Like... We were like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Is there a movie called Mr. Selfridge that <laughs> right. somehow we accidentally downloaded? Yeah. And then just from there, straight into the episode, all perfectly normal. Maybe they were trying to throw off the anti-piracy people. <laughs> it's possible. I assume there was some motivation somewhere in the nebulous world of pirating things. I kind of think piracy is a victimless crime. Well, I mean, you know, except for those victims who get confused by universal movie <laughs> logos. <laughs> No, I mean, really, anybody that's, like, victimized by piracy is somebody who can, like, move back into their parents' basement. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel that bad for that guy. Well, fair enough. (laughs) Uh, In any case... In other news, fledgling podcast, the Palm Court, was shut down by the FBI. Yeah. Yeah, don't know who tipped them off. Kelly Anakin, a local comedian, now (laughs) serving a 10-year prison sentence uh, because of irony. (laughs) It's against the law now. Tom Schneider has moved into his parents' basement. (laughs) It's an unfinished basement. That would not be good. No, it would be really shitty for you. (laughs) It'd be a real Harry Potter situation. (laughs) So, in the actual show... Uh, we Which began immediately with our <laughs> traditional, and we're like, okay, thank God. Yes. And then after the credits, we see a display for uh, Van at Selfridges. We're not good at French. We're not good at French at all. 
We're very bad at it. And this is going to be a, an episode where it is. We're from Ohio, where there is a Versailles, Ohio. Yeah. Just to like... <laughs> to give you a baseline. Lower your expectations, people. Um, yeah, on our French etude. <laughs> and we see Keebler dramatically opening a box with a dress in it. I feel like he does this every day, and it probably costs them several pounds in productivity. <laughs> Well, it's accounted for in the budget. There's a line item for Keebler drama. <laughs> Nunu Gordon and Connie are looking on, and <clears throat> Connie goes to take the dress, but Keebler says not to touch it, uh, because Madame Lanvin's creative director will be there in the morning, and he has no time to be training people on how to hold dresses. This It's not hard to hold a dress. Right. I think you keep it from falling on the ground, and then <laughs> you're pretty much covered. Uh... He also talks about this display he set up that the dresses will sell themselves, and they don't need Miss Towler's avant-garde distractions. Sweet burn, Keebler. That was a real fudgy burn. <laughs> yeah. Her name's not Miss Towler anymore. Um, oh, yeah. It's not. It's <laughs> Mrs. LeClaire. Yeah. It comes up later. Points to you, patriarchy. <laughs> uh, Crab comes in and asks where Harry is, and nobody knows. Uh, you, would, you would think somebody would know. Yeah. It's called Selfridges. <laughs> right. Harry, as it turns out, is sitting in a car reading ads for his store <laughs> like a non-insane person. <laughs> uh, although I guess he could be vetting them. Yeah, it's true. And he calls out to a passing Nancy, who I've decided to call the homely architect. Right. Uh, this is Nancy Webb, who brought him all the, the plans. Yeah. And he says that they need to talk inside possibly her house. Or, yeah. Her home this office. Is, this is weird, Harry. He is sending off some vibes. Yeah. As early as this scene. Yeah. Where I'm like, are you into homely now? Like, is that where we're heading here? Right. Well, it's, you were like, is he gonna have sex with her? And then we're both like, oh, right. Yeah, that's yeah. not even, like, <laughs> to ask the question is to answer the question. Right. He is a sex addict. Uh, anyway, so they're having tea and Harry says he heard that Lord Meadows pulled out of her project. She says that all the work went to waste and she knows it's not Harry's fault. He says he's been thinking and, well, he, basically says that doesn't he say that rose would like the project and then he, she's like what right he she he does say that so then he pulls her picture out and is like oh hey she's dead nancy's like oh you must miss her he's like yes i'd like to sleep with you fund this weird project uh so he knows that rose would approve of the project which you know you always want your dead wife's approval before you uh you know neg your next victim <laughs> Nancy asks what he's saying, and he says he's going to bid on the field, and then the government can match his bid. Right. Nancy asks if he's taking over the project. He says, let's start with the field, and she says, I'll get you all the paperwork tomorrow. It's all ready to go. Yeah. And I mean, because once he buys the field, like, you're not just going to buy the field and then not doing anything with it, so. I would. <laughs> just a, for spite. It's a nice field. <laughs> Riverview. Uh, I like the plans for this field a lot better than the one on Downton Abbey, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yep. Uh, so near the front of Selfridges, like across the street, there are some ex-soldiers hanging out asking for spare change and offering to sell somebody some fags, like they do in England. Uh, a doorkeeper greets Harry as he arrives, and the fight breaks out among the soldiers, and the doorkeeper says he could get the police to move them along, but Harry's like, where to? And says to leave them be. This always happens. Yeah. Uh, countries are like, hey, go defend this country. And then when they come back, they're like, you guys are too weird now. Yeah. We don't so... really. Could you just 
gosh, it sure is a shame that you didn't all just die. Right. Could you just sort of, you know, all that psychological trauma? Could you just like unhave that? Yeah. For us? Could you just be normal? It's turning out pretty inconvenient. It's really, uh, like we're having a party later and just, yeah, so, that's really kind of so. keeps you from working in our, you know, oil change stations or wherever you are working. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I don't either. <laughs> we're talking about retail. Yeah. In his office, Harry tells Mr. Crab to call a board meeting, and Mr. Crab asks what buying a field has to do with Selfridges, and rightly so, Mr. Crab. <laughs> yes. Uh, Harry says he's just asking for an interest-free loan, which uh, is a lot. Right. Like, like that's interest-free? Not, yeah. That completely de-incentivizes the loan. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's sketchy. Like, I don't know how boards of things work. Right, and nor do I. Although I think they are generally rubber stamps for the, uh, you know, head person. Yeah. So. At any rate, uh, Crab says that this is not their area of expertise. And he's like, uh, hey, remember about the aerodrome? Wasn't that also supposed to be on this field? And Harry's like, that was just a passing rumor. My heart set on this. Nailing it. <laughs> and uh, Crab tries to protest more, but Harry cuts him off. At Selfridge House, Harry welcomes Rosalie back from Venice and doesn't exactly welcome Sergei back. Like, he is not openly rude to him. Yeah. That's as far as he's willing to go. Uh, Harry is like, hey, what's this crazy thing on our table? And Violette says that it's a, a samovar. That's how Russians make their tea, apparently, she says. She's not super into other cultures, Violette. <laughs> he is not. Harry says the Russians must drink a lot of tea, and then Rosalie says it's a gift from the princess. Violette says that it's the ugliest thing ever, and that Ma agrees with her. Grandma. Ooh, Grandma, yeah. Oh, right. We call her Ma. Yeah. It's all very confusing to me now for some reason. Well, there used to be a Ma that was alive, and now it's all confused. Nunu Gordon shows up. Violette asks if he wants tea, and she's like, oh, great, working a samovar, my life's ambition. Uh, and then Fraser comes in to say that Leclerc is there, as Harry apparently requested. Harry greets Monsieur Leclerc in the front hall and asks how Scotland was. Apparently it was great. Sure. Uh, that was your big surprise honeymoon destination? I know. Scotland? Maybe Scotland seems super exotic if you're from France. I don't know. <laughs> it's a real outlander situation waiting to happen. Uh, anyway... Harry wants to know if Monsieur Leclerc and Agnes can return to work early to help with Madame Lamvin's display and oversee Nunu Gordon and Keebler. And Leclerc's like, yeah, totes. Yeah. Like, I'll be there right now. Which, like, <laughs> bad move, Amber. Agreed. Kitty is brushing Connie's hair with no regard for her comfort at all. Uh, that seems like the Kitty Edwards style. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mustache asks them to keep their cries of pain down as he's on the <laughs> phone call. Uh, and Kitty says that the event, the fashion event is an opportunity for Connie. And Connie says all she wants is a chance. She's found her thing in fashion, just like Kitty has in cosmetics. And Kitty says the sisters of Selfridges and says that if this event goes off, she has a plan for uh, her own cosmetics promotion. Then Mustache comes in and announces that he's gotten a deal for his new book. And Kitty is super excited. Yeah. And it's about the returning soldiers. Yes. So it'll be a very uh, hot ticket, mm-hmm. presumably. Agnes tells Monsieur Leclerc that she was looking forward to some more time just for them. But they can't let Harry down. He is, after all, the reason that they started banging in the first place. That's true. So there's that. Yeah. No. The, one of their shared interests is subordinating their own interests to Harry Selfridge. Yeah. So, you know, good for them. Yeah. 
Uh, at Caliano's, a shirtless Fat Thomas sits up and lights a cigarette, and then an equally shirtless haircut sits up and takes it. So, so uh, yeah. question answered, yeah. y'all. They are doing it. They definitely are. Uh, she says that they make a good team and wonders if they need this George. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the correct response. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Fat Thomas says that he needs George. Haircut says they've been doing fine without him. And Fat Thomas tells Elsa, which we learn is her name, yes. that we have fun now and then, but I run this club. Uh, This is a newer, meaner Fat Thomas, guys. Yeah. He has gotten real mean. He has. Like, upsettingly mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean... It would be one thing if this makes him more effective, which remains to be seen. Right. But I don't like it. Yeah. I liked him better as a buffoon. Well, but, you know, like, as a buffoon, he had to be a secondary person. And for him to still be in the show, he needs to be kind of holding down his own plot line because he's not with Agnes anymore and he's not going to be. No, that's true. So he needed to be more, uh, you know, active and, uh, you know, in charge. Yeah. Fat Thomas in charge of our days and our nightclubs. <laughs> Back at Selfridges, Keebler rejects a pearl necklace Connie is handing him. Not a euphemism. Right. And we see a uh, Johnny Depp-looking guy saying that Lanvin designed these dresses specifically for Selfridges, and this is all he could come up with. Uh, so basically, these are just very static, basic displays yeah. in a not exciting room. Right. It's just, you know, there's just a backdrop, a slightly contrasting sort of border around the backdrop, and uh-huh. then the dress. Yeah. And that's it. He says it's very traditional, and then Monsieur Leclerc and Agnes are in the room, and Johnny Depp slash Gary Oldman in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm, there you go. Uh, yeah. I knew there was a better... There I was, there was and I had it. Thank you. Uh, and then he starts speaking French to Monsieur Leclerc, something about Le Panache de Selfridge, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Yeah. We mostly understand that. <laughs> and then Keebler says, s'il vous plaît, monsieur, and then runs out of French. <laughs> he says it... He is not seeing his vision. Gary Oldman says that he cannot subject Lanvin to this insult, and he is withdrawing the dresses. And they were supposed to have this exclusive contract. Right. This whole pending thing. This yeah. display, which, I mean, Harry's been distracted, but honestly, like, why would you give any kind of responsibility to Keebler? I know, man. Monsieur Leclerc says that they will fix it, asks Mrs. Leclerc if she agrees, which we have not heard her called that. Right. So. And uh, just going to miss hearing Leclerc say Towler. Uh-huh. <laughs> Miss Towler. <laughs> uh, Gary Oldman says that he will give them one last chance. Monsieur Leclerc says that Keebler always sees the dresses as art. Uh, but women want to see themselves in the dresses. They want to see them be functional. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Keebler just has a very... Keebler loves dresses, but he hates women. Right. And that's a problem when you're trying to sell the dresses to the women. Right. Like, if you want to just go, you know, design things for the Met Ball, <laughs> yeah. go for it. Yeah. But that is not what this is about. Mm-hmm. Keebler uh, asks, how dare Monsieur Leclerc, our big war hero, criticize him? And I'm like, clearly you didn't fight. They yeah. were like, oh, this one, gay, can't yeah. serve. No. Bye, guy. <laughs> uh, Agnes says that they need to focus on fixing the problem. Keebler says there's nothing to fix. That Lonchamp, which is Gary Oldman's yeah. uh, real name, he's just another French idiot. Right. Well, fine, but he can still kill the whole fucking show. Yeah. Dude, what do you mean there's nothing to fix? Also, That's- how is he an idiot? Like, you were just, like, 
you know, splooging yourself over <laughs> these dresses that were designed by a French woman. Yeah. Like, I know you don't like Monsieur Leclerc or Agnes, but like Jesus. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. His dislike of Monsieur Leclerc has driven him to madness, clearly. He got a new haircut, though. Yeah. He looks even more elfin than he did before. <laughs> he does. Well, we'll see how that works out for him. Uh, down on the shop floor, Crab and Grove are discussing this housing plan, and they're interrupted by... Blankensop! Blankensop! <laughs> oh my god, guys. We thought she was gone. We did. We didn't think she was coming back, and now she's here. That's right. I think one thing that's kind of nice about Mr. Selfridge not being as popular as Downton Abbey is that it's not reported on at all. Oh, yeah. So, like, I mean, we don't know anything that's right. going to happen. That's true. Even though it's been on in Britain for, you know, a while. Yeah. We have not had to make any effort like, to avoid spoilers. we don't spoilers. know. Like, Lady May hasn't come back. Right. We hope that she does, but we can't be sure. Yeah. Um, who else? I feel like there was somebody else. Oh, Blankensop. Right. Ta. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so Blankensop's back, you know, fingers crossed for Lady May and yeah. Pimble. Mm-hmm. Good old reliable Pimble. <laughs> oh man, Pimble. Pimble's got a Pim. <laughs> anyway, Blankensop is apparently now running the Information Bureau. Uh, she explains as some woman does some slapstick in the background and spills papers everywhere. And we hear, uh, she says the customers come to ask all sorts of questions, and she can't provide answers with untrained staff that don't know where to look. This is a strange thing. We don't know what the Information Bureau is. Right. Is this like that movie that Roger Sterling was in that time? <laughs> and it was like that agency or something? Right. And they were, they're were they all wearing hats or whatever. Yeah, they were wearing hats. <laughs> That's all I remember. And the whole color palette was like white backgrounds and black suits. Yeah. Uh, I so, wonder if that movie was good. <laughs> Were you in that movie? <laughs> Did you see that movie? If so, we want to hear your story. In any case, Grove understands Blankensop's difficulties. He has clearly been getting this sort of complaint a lot. Uh, Blankensop says that they're going to be a laughing stock and then goes to mime her frustration in the background uh, as Grove says that he is up to his neck in dealing with the new female staff. Crab says you could use Grove's support, but Grove says just keep your head down and, you know, weather the storm. Uh, so he's not going to support him. No. Harry calls them over to ask about the board meeting, and they're both like, oh, hi, we weren't just talking about you. Uh, and Crab says that this evening was the only time the board could meet, so he didn't book it because Harry will be hosting Madame Lanvan. Uh, we should probably come up with a name for her so we <laughs> don't keep butchering her actual name. Right. Let's see. Uh, she's short. I got nothing. Uh, we could just call it Lava. <laughs> yeah, Lava. Oh, yeah, Lava. That's great. All Let's right, go. there we go. Great. Uh, <laughs> Harry says, oh, that's fine. Keebler can hold the fort. When has he ever been able to hold when any fort? S- Did you not hear about how we didn't get in the army? <laughs> he has not succeeded at anything in his time on this show. No. He has always been wrong. Yeah, and as if to underline the point, just as he's saying that, Nunu Gordon runs up to be like, uh, we have a serious problem. Uh, is it the samovar? <laughs> yeah, it's tea everywhere. Everywhere. In the exhibition room, which we think is the same palm court extension they had champagne in the last episode. Right. Well, isn't it the same room that the Belgian chocolatier was in and uh, some of the other events that they've had there? Maybe, but it's so, like, narrow, that room. Like, I don't know. It didn't... 
it seemed weird. Well, to and me. a lot of times they'll have an event like on the floor. Right. Which is where they end up yeah. having this one. But that's only after. And this is definitely not where Delphine had her reading. Delphine had her right. reading somewhere else. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's this whatever. Yeah, Uh, it's a place. Uh, Have (laughs) anybody has drawn, you know, a schematic for Mr. Selfridge based on this show and podcast? uh, Send it our way. We'll frame it. We'll put it on the wall. We will. So Keebler greets Harry as Harry looks at the displays and asks, like he barely even asks. He's right. Basically saying, "Oh, Longchamp was disappointed in these Mm -hmm. because these are bullshit." Monsieur Leclerc says yes, he was disappointed, and uh, Keebler claims that he put weeks of work into it. Uh, didn't the dresses just come the other day? Yeah. And like, why do you suck so hard? Right. Nobody cares how much work you put into it. Right. And he says that Nunu Gordon gave him his full approval, which it's a bad look on Nunu Gordon. It really like, is. Nunu Gordon, party line. Yeah. Never be on the same side as Keebler. <laughs> Nunu Gordon says, you know, well, you know, Agnes was on leave, uh, but Harry correctly points out that Keebler and Nunu Gordon have let him down. Yeah. Keebler asks, what about letting them down? And there's a record scratch. Yeah. Because, like, everybody is like, what? Yeah. Like, who told that elf he could speak? Yeah. But uh, this is not entirely unwelcome mm-hmm. because, like, everybody can just see the fuse burning and where Keebler's going with this. But at the same time, Harry needs to hear this from somebody. Yep. Like, yep. it's important. Mm-hmm. Keebler says that Harry has shown very little interest in the event and their reputation is on the line. Harry says it is his reputation on the line, but Keebler says it's his department and he won't take orders from Monsieur Leclerc. Harry says to stop it, but then Keebler says that something must be said. He has forced untrained staff on them. He isn't there when they need him, and that he's not one of Harry's yes-men. Uh, immediate smash cut <laughs> to Mr. Grove and Mr. Crab being like, yes? <laughs> right away, boss. Uh, oh, and Harry says he doesn't employ yes-men. He says he employs men he expects to get it right. And then here it comes. Yeah. Swing and a miss. Or I don't know, actually kind of a grand slam. Yeah. Depending on how you look at it. Yeah, but. Keebler says that Harry hasn't been getting it right since Mrs. Selfridge died. And everybody is like, oh, Oh. no, he did. (laughs) But he did. Yeah. And, you know, at least Mr. Crab is happy that this happened yeah uh on some level right and then harry tells keebler to get out of his store and never come back and connie's like whoa life on the surface is hard <laughs> look at this dress isn't it neat <laughs> wouldn't you think this department's complete <laughs> down in accessories connie runs up to kitty and announces the keebler was sacked and everybody gathers round, including plunkett and conehead who we need to come up with a new name for because she's changed her haircut. Oh yeah, she looks fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, she's got curls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, bobbin. I don't know. <laughs> bobbin. Bobbin head. <laughs> that still sounds really mean. It does. Well, I think if you leave the head out of it. Yeah. Although bobbin kind of sounds like the name of a pony. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like it sounds like a dog to me. Here, uh. bobbin. <laughs> Good boy, bobbin. So everybody good with Bobbin? Yeah, we'll go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Plunkett says that it's idle gossip, and then Blankensop pokes her head in and says, gossip? Oh my god, did she seriously do that? Yeah, she did. I completely forgot that. That's amazing. Blankensop, you're a fucking treasure. (laughs) 
as they all get off the elevator upstairs, uh, Harry tells everyone he's sorry they had to witness that. And they're all like, we get it. Dad's mad. <laughs> he asks the Leclairs if they can solve it. And they say that they'll do their best. Nunu Gordon asks how we can help. Uh, Harry's like, leave it to the experts, you failure of a mustache. <laughs> and then Crab says he surely doesn't still want to summon the board. Hint, hint. And Harry's like, nope, definitely meaning like, I'm yep. <laughs> just fired some. Everything's going great. Time, time to get the board in here. Let's do this. At Caliano's, some guy knocks on the door, and Fat Thomas greets him as Sergeant. And Sarge asks if Lance Corporal Fat Thomas will let him through, or will let him in, and he, he does, but says that he won't be staying long. Sarge says that he wants to sell some cut-price smokes to Fat Thomas, which I thought he said mugs the first time. That's a weird thing to think. I know, but the boxes are actually the right size for mugs. <laughs> you just have a collection of mug boxes lying around? Well, he's got a nightclub. He needs to serve things in mugs sometimes. Got a deal on him? Oh, my God. <laughs> Continue with the recap. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they head on in with the cut price smokes, and Fat Thomas and George exchange a glance. Sergey opens up the door to an airplane hangar, which contains a Hawker Signet. Which is interesting, because they actually only ever made two Hawker Signets, and I like kept looking at it. And this one actually appears to be a replica Hawker Signet, which is from the Shuttleworth collection. I could tell from the number six on it. Now... <laughs> Uh, and actually, once I was looking into the Shuttleworth collection, that is almost certainly the source for all the other airplanes that the show has used because, you know, not only is it a collection of vintage aircraft, but it's uh, one with a focus on vintage aircraft that are in flyable condition. Aha. So. Where is that collection located? Uh, in England. I forget exactly okay. where. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Sergei greets Loxley, which is a much harder sentence to say than you would think, uh, who expects to be impressed yeah. with his lizard face. <laughs> At Caliano's, Sarge says that he thought Fat Thomas was going to be a pushover as he takes uh, the agreed-upon price for the smokes. Fat Thomas says that he isn't a pushover, and since these things were presumably stolen, uh, the Sarge is still quids in. Sarge goes over to his friend, and George says that Sarge was trouble in the regiment, and Fat Thomas shouldn't have let them in. Fat Thomas says they'll be gone soon. And Sarge comes over to say that Fat Thomas has done well for himself, and leave that hanging for a second, and then is like, well, you can't let us go without offering us a drink. And Fat Thomas is like, ah, yes, I can. Yeah. Get out. So does that mean that George and Fat Thomas were in the same regiment during the war? It, it appears. Thus accounting for their newfound closeness? That appears to be the case, I mean, yes. they were close. Yeah, they weren't unclose. Yeah. But yeah, this is the clear implication here is that yeah. yes, they were... Well, that was the implication last episode, too, when he would talk about, you know, when we were there, we would say we would get the next, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I just thought he meant, you know, generally. Right. But that would not, yeah. In the hangar, Sergey shows Loxley some blueprints of airplanes, suggests building five or six, and then starting an air taxi service. Among the worst ideas I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know how that's supposed to work. I I think I mean that's right on par with traveling by private blimp. <laughs> well, I think actually, I mean, I think it ba basically just means an airline, and it's just they don't have that terminology yet. You know, it's pop. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's yeah, still a funny sounding thing to say. Loxley asks if he got his passion from his father, and Sergey says that he doesn't remember his father. Uh, so now there's an awkward pause. <laughs> 
And Loxley says that Harry must be champing at the bit to invest. Sergey says he isn't with his stupid face. <laughs> Loxley asks why. Sergey says he pushed too hard. Loxley admires determination and is interested in his ideas. And he says, young men are the future and then shakes his hand weirdly. <laughs> and Sergey's like, are you coming on to me? Right. Like, what is this? Like, I know you've got a gay friend. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, it is actually Sergey's father being dead is, you know, sheds a little light on his relationship with his mom. Yes. Speaking of which, the princess demonstrates the samovar to Fraser and is like, then you turn this handle and then nothing happens. And she's like, well, you'll figure it out. Are they even Russian? Right. Like, oh. seriously? That could be, wow, that could be a whole There's thing. There's no proof that these people are actually Russian. Yeah. Like, and the princess thus far has been cartoonish. <laughs> yeah. She... So... I, they're, in my book, they're not Russian until proven Russian. All right. No, I, fair enough. Anyway, Fraser sarcastically thanks the princess, and she goes over to Rosalie to say she's sorry to see her apart from Sergei. Uh, Rosalie's like, well, he had to be at the hangar. Also, people have to do things, idiot. Right. They have jobs and such. Yeah, I know you don't. Right. But everybody else does. You fake Russian weirdo. Princess says that Harry will hardly get to know Sergei when he's so far away, which might be for the best, uh, and suggests that Rose's old painting studio would make a good office for Sergei. Rosalie admits that she would like to see more of Sergei, for some reason, uh, but she'd have to approach the subject of the studio delicately, and they head off to go look at it. Fraser has apparently figured out the samovar, so he brings Ma some tea. She asks him if the princess is ever going to spend any time in her own apartment. I love how much they all hate her. Yeah. <laughs> Fraser says that she's not in her apartment as they just got a big bill from the hotel made out to Harry Selfridge. Ma says that they should keep this information to themselves for reasons that are perfectly good and logical, I'm sure. This family is not run well. <laughs> right. Like, that bill is pre- that bill is made out to Harry Selfridge. He should be given that bill. Well, and everybody's acting like this family has all this money, which, like, yes... But, but like, it's all very, you know, it's not guaranteed. Yeah. This isn't a trust. And you, they've had hard times. Harry had to sell shell, sell shares in the store, this sort of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. In the Monsieur Leclerc memorial lair, even right. though, I even guess though now it could be like, you know, the, the Towler Prowler. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's more of like a car. Right. A custom crime-fighting <laughs> car that Agnes Towler tools around London in. What does she fight? Crimes against fashion. Oh, you can't. I'm sorry, but you can't wear that. <laughs> For this- order of... <laughs> By order of... I can't. Uh, I can't say Towler Prowler in her voice. I can't. Like, there's something physically preventing me from doing it. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Okay, so mad. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta take off the cufflink. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so they're they're in the lair, right. not fighting crimes currently. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and I'm kind of digging, actually, Agnes's amazing Technicolor dream blouse that she's wearing in this episode. I really 
really disliked all of her clothes. That's fine. Like, I feel like well, it's I just, just more like I she's just, wearing. She's favoring these like weird caftan things. Yeah, and I'm like, girl, you have a figure. Like, show it off. I agree. Oh, I, think I, I think I think I just Stockholm syndrome with this particular. <laughs> I thought I thought we wouldn't have to do this again, <laughs> Agnes. You were wrong, Agnes. I'm the villain London needs. <laughs> Anyway, Henri shows her a drawing and she nods and said that they can move it to the fashion floor, but will it be enough? Leclerc says it's all they can do in the time that they have. Agnes says it's a tough first day back. Yeah. And seems to really, like, they're both like, Jesus Christ, this is terrible. In the palm court, the crabs are having tea. Guys, (laughs) Mrs. Crab is everything. And I hope that she remains a big part of this season. (laughs) Me too. Even though, again, this is like the third Mrs. Crab. (laughs) V3. Yeah. Well, she says that Crab isn't eating his Victoria sponge, even though that's his favorite. <gasps> Which is terrible. <laughs> Crab says that he doesn't have the stomach, so Mrs. Crab takes his plate and starts eating it, <laughs> which is great. Uh, and she says that it's not his fault that Keebler got fired. Crab asks if he's a yes man and if he has backbone. Mrs. Crab says that he is the bravest man she knows. He says that Harry is always counted on his loyalty, but he can't in good conscience endorse his project to the board. And Mrs. Crabbe says that he must follow his conscience then, and he agrees. Uh, incidentally, if you're wondering which relationship on this show is the closest <laughs> analog to our personal relationship, this would probably be it. Probably so, yeah. Except that Tom's the one who like gives me advice when I'm feeling insecure, but I am the one who always eats his cake. <laughs> Rosalie is gazing at the pictures in Rose's studio. Violette comes in and says that people say it gets easier, but she's not sure she believes them. Rosalie says that Pa thinks his brave face fools them. And I just want to point out what's really remarkable about the girl playing Rosalie Mm -hmm. is that her vocal mannerisms are so similar to Frances O'Connor's as Rose. Right. And I didn't notice it until this scene, but Mm -hmm. she's very... Very similar in the way that she speaks. Yeah. Violette comes in and says that she's glad that Rosalie's staying with them, and then they hug each other, and the princess just blunders in (laughs) and says, oh, good, we're in agreement. And Violette's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We are just hugging because we're family, unlike you, monstrous (laughs) interloper. Rosalie, uh very undelicately explains <laughs> to Violette the proposal to turn this studio into an office for Sergei. And Violette can't believe she'd even think of it. Rosalie, the princess says that Rosalie runs the house now, very pointedly at Violette. Yeah. And Violette says she'll make sure that Pa doesn't agree. This is all they have left of their mother and storms out. Yeah. So way to go, everyone. Crab and Nunu Gordon, who apparently share an office, uh, in it, Nunu Gordon asks Crab if he can help with anything. Crab says no. He's helped quite enough today. Thank you. Uh, and Nunu Gordon leaves, and Crab watches him leave, and then resumes going through the books somewhat, like, furtively. No, it seems like he's going. he is trying to look as if he's going through a certain book and then not another one. Right. Like, that's the one he's going through. Yeah. I couldn't quite follow it. Right. Violette gets off the elevator and walks determinedly into Harry's office and says that Princess Wizwaz, whatever her name is, uh, it's Marie. Right. That's a very simple name. It's not a Russian name. No. It's just Marie. Anyway, she wants to take over Rose's studio. Harry says that Sergei does live with them, and Violet says she's going insane. Nunu Gordon is at the store. Rosalie runs the house, and she has nothing to do. 
Harry says that they want to talk about it later, but she asks for something to do, a job at Selfridges, and Harry says that they have more than enough female staff. <laughs> right. Now, we had, <laughs> we had to go back and watch the scene several times because we kept getting distracted by the portrait of Rose. <laughs> by Roddy the Rat. Right. Which we think is getting worse every episode. <laughs> we think that they're like sponging it every episode and it keeps deteriorating and eventually it's going to look like that Miss Piggy costume in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's just slowly sagging. Oh my God. It is so funny. <laughs> Harry suggests that Violette travel uh, back to Chicago, uh, and she says that he wants to get rid of her, and she says that he means he wants her to marry a rich yank, uh, such as an Astor or a Vanderbilt, which, which not in Chicago, honey. I'm pretty sure, Like, no. go to New York if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, she says thanks for nothing and leaves and says she's going shopping since apparently that's all she's good for. Uh, Violette, new favorite character. Yeah, yeah. This is exciting. She, you know, in the absence of a Lady May, yeah. this is the closest we're going to get. Yeah, yeah. Fat Thomas and George are setting up at Kalyano's when the inspector walks in. Fat Thomas says he's already got his money for the month. And the inspector says that he is there to give Fat Thomas his money's worth by telling him to keep those stolen cigarettes out of sight because his boys are out looking for stolen fags. Fat Thomas says, consider me tipped, and the inspector starts to leave, but says that as long as Fat Thomas is buying stolen goods anyway, the inspector knows some stolen goods that he'd buy him. Fat Thomas says that this is a one-off, so no thanks. And the inspector says that he can't stay clean forever. Yeah, he also is currently unclean. Right, he's already failed at that goal. Yeah. Fat Thomas says that it's not about staying clean, it's about staying in charge, and then says, same way out as he came in. Which I do actually appreciate. I really hate people bossing me around. Yeah. So I'm kind of with him on that. Yeah, I mean, it's his name on the front. Yeah. Agnes and Leclerc discuss where to put the plinths. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. <laughs> Violet looks down at them from the balcony as they discuss their difficulties. We see uh, Gary Oldman walk in, and then Violet calls down to ask if she can make a suggestion. They're like, sure. We then see uh, Gary Oldman walk into the ele- It's a really weird shot. It is. And I'm not entirely certain why we were shown it. Agreed. Because then we just cut to Agnes and Leclerc reacting favorably to Violet's suggestion, whatever it was. Agnes says that Gary Oldman is a tricky customer. Violette asks how. And then the elevator with him arrives. She sees him and is like, oh, I got this. (laughs) Uh, She tells him she hears he's a difficult man to please. And he's like, we're listening. In the Palm Court Annex... Violette says that Harry says that Selfridges is more than a store, that they have a remit to entertain as well. Gary Oldman asks what she likes to do for entertainment. She asks if he's flirting with him, with her. It's so great. Like, Violette's MO is just like, oh, are you, are we flirting now? Great. (laughs) Switching to flirting mode. Let's do this. She just reminds me a lot of myself. He asks if it would be terrible if he was flirting with her, and she says not as long as he likes her idea. Gary Oldman says that it's up to Lava, but Violette says, fine, she'll play it his way. Will your boss like it? Uh Uh-huh. And he's like, I'm intrigued. (laughs) Harry asks Plunkett to uh, plunk some things up, (laughs) and Crab asks to speak to him. Harry says he doesn't have the time and not to badger him. Crab asks Plunkett to tell Harry that he intends to keep badgering until he gives him some time. Right. This is not going to end well, guys. No. Like, ugh, I am, I am not looking forward to what's coming. Yeah. Because, like, no, seriously, dude, don't have this guy around. Yeah. 
to be, you know, a check and ignore him. Like he's yes. the most important person he after is. you. This is his whole job. You can't completely take him for granted. Yeah. Let him do his work, man. At Selvridge House, the princess is delighted to hear that Sergei has an investor. She tells him that he forgets how him impressive he is. He isn't. He's, and you have destroyed him. Yeah. Clearly with your shoddy upbringing. Yeah. Sergei says that Harry doesn't think he's impressive. And the princess says to give him one last chance to invest. Sergei asks why. And the princess. Like, Doi, leverage, idiot. Yeah. And the princess says that he lives in his house and he has to trust her on how a gentleman should conduct himself because she's the one behind their whole fake Russian scam. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, fine. Uh, by a river and or lake, it's not, we can't see where it begins and ends. Right. So it's hard to say what sort of body of water it is. Mm-hmm. I'm inclined to say river. I'm inclined that way. Uh, Martle adores one of Doris Classic's babies and says that he looks just like Doris. Doris says it's the only child out of her five to get her blonde hair. Wow. It's Miss- a bunch of gingers. Yeah. <sighs> They're everywhere. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, that was Mr. Grove's entire plan, it, and he yeah. has executed it. Miss <laughs> Myrtle has a moment of realizing, yet again, that she will never have her own child, but tries to, like, collect herself and get her shit together. Yeah. Um, and she actually, here, the baby's name is Ernest, and she says, uh, Ernest, sweeter than a violet cream, which is the candy that Mr. Grove bought her by way of apology right. in the first series. Wow. Just for those of you keeping score. Yeah. Um, no, I'm like so impressed with her, like hanging out with Doris Classic. Yeah. Because I'm like, I am not that mature. <laughs> I would never be that mature. Yeah. Like to yeah. literally be, I mean, maybe she's playing a longer con than we think, but I don't think so. I don't she's think like so. a good person. She is. No, but I'm like, how are you even here? Yeah. Like this is absurd. Yeah. Well, it's been a few years. Uh, Doris says they're well out of working at the store. Pressure every day, people demanding things, difficult customers, staffs going on. And she says, oh, you know, Miss Martle, you must miss all those things. You know, sorry. Yeah. But Miss Martle laughs and says that when Florian died, she had to think about the rest of her life. She's a company woman and she likes structure, but she's changed and she can't go backwards. Uh, Doris says they've all been changed by the war. Uh, uh, things were different. Before the war. Before the war, that, they were. That's right. It's a whole and different thing. And she's glad Miss Martle came, that old friends should stick together. And Miss Martle says it's about time Doris started calling her Josie since they're friends. Yeah. And also, I know what your husband's penis looks like. <laughs> Ugh, I just don't know how anybody could date Mr. Grove yeah, anyway. Like, yeah. He is like noxious looking. Yeah, he is. Like even when I don't hate him as much as I used to, like he's dude, still yeah, he's, he's aw- unpleasant yeah. to look at. Yeah. In Harry's office, Plunkett brings in Sergey, who says that he's got another financier, and Harry's like, Great. Sergey says that he thought it only proper to give Harry a last chance to invest, and Harry's like, Haha, uh, my hands are tied. And says that he is about to bid for that field. Sergey is kind of understandably annoyed by that. He says he's the one that found that field. And Harry's like, yeah, so maybe you could help me out with this housing thing. Sergey says that he is only interested in the aerodrome. Harry says, uh, again, that he should focus on the plane first, worry about the aerodrome later. And he is sure that his financier would agree with him and asks who it is, innocently enough. Sergey says that it is Lord Loxley, and Harry is as upset as he should be. Yes. 
Uh, he says to cut off all contact with him immediately, that he's dangerous, all this sort of thing. Uh, should maybe get into the details more than just Yeah, agreed. Saying, or like, Sergey, maybe research your investor right. rather than just blindly accepting them. Yeah. Sergey says, however, that he will make his own decisions. Harry says it's not a request. Uh, Sergey says that it's just business and Harry should appreciate that and heads out. Uh, Harry, a, yes, should have been in the details of Lord Loxley more. Right. And also, like, that dude lives in your house. Put your foot down and be like, you live in my house. You are putting my entire family at risk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. In-laws. Ugh. Crab comes in as Sergey is leaving and Harry says, for both of our sakes, don't. So Crab just says, so be it, and walks out, like, kind of with a dazed look. Yeah. Uh, he passes Grove, who tells him that the directors are starting to arrive, and notices that Crab is not listening to him. He asks Crab if he is all right, and Crab says, uh, I will join you in the boardroom shortly, Mr. Grove. Which, see, that's like the sort of thing an English person says before killing themselves, Yeah, right? no, like- <laughs> I, was, I was afraid. I was really scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Grove is likewise troubled. Uh, Crab enters his office and pulls out a folder and looks at the contents of that folder. In the Palm Court Annex, a string quartet plays, and we also see Crab distributing documents on the boardroom table. I found this sequence very confusing because I thought (laughs) this was the board meeting, and I was like, what? Who the fuck has this fancy of a board meeting? This is crazy. With a live string quartet. Anyway, uh, in the Annex, long, long champ? Longchamp. Longchamp. <laughs> Gary Oldman. Yeah. Arrives with Lava, who is fantastic, by the she way. Is, She's yeah. this very short, like, spitfire of a lady <laughs> who gives zero fucks. Um, so Leclerc greets her as photographers take pictures. He does not like it. He's reacting badly to the flashes. Mm-hmm. And Lava says he was so handsome when last they met. What happened? And everybody laughs and laughs. <laughs> In Harry's office, the homely architect shows Harry the paperwork that she has about that field. Harry's pleased that it says that it should impress the board, and he hopes to see her downstairs afterward for the fashion event. And Nancy says, oh, of course, but clearly had no intention of going to the fashion event because that doesn't seem like her thing She's at all. She's like, fashion doesn't go with my face. <laughs> Rosalie and Ma walk into the annex. Ma says she thought the princess would be there, and Rosalie says that she's devastated to miss it, but she's having some Russian friends over. Ma says, at her apartment? Rosalie assumes so, but is certainly wrong. <laughs> right. In accessories, Bobbin sees Martel arriving and hisses at fake Doris. Martel tells fake Doris that accessories are looking good. Fake Doris says she's done her best, but is sure that Martel will find some improvements once she's back. But Martel says she won't be coming back to accessories, and fake Doris is thrilled. Yeah, dude, that means fake Doris is now the face of accessories. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. I hope she starts dating Nunu Gordon. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that was going to happen last season. That seemed to be the plan. And then it didn't really go anywhere. No. Did, did Nunu Gordon fight in the war, do you think? Because he would have been too young right. when it he started. He was also not a British citizen. Oh, right. But he could have fought for the Americans. Right. But, I mean, there's little indication that he did. Yeah, that's true. You'd think it would have been mentioned by now. In the annex, some guy asks Leclerc and Lava to stand together, and people take pictures. And Leclerc reacts like Peter Boyle and young Frankenstein. <laughs> 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 
And the journalist says that Leclerc survived Verdun, and Leclerc says the evening is not about him, but about Lava, but Lava says they must applaud this war hero, which... You should probably clear that with the war hero before you start making a fuss. Right. Because they're literally crazy. Yeah. Many of them do not wish for there to be a fuss. Or to talk about the war ever again. Right. Uh, everybody applauds and more people take pictures. And then Leclerc starts freaking out and, and seeing, having a flashback, essentially to the flashback he had before. <laughs> right. Well. Because this is not a show with a large budget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Agnes follows him out into the actual palm court and asks about, you know, Verdun. Like, why are they asking about that? And yeah. he's, and she wants him to talk to her. Leclerc says that he can't. And then an unseen voice asks everybody to go through to the fashion department. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, well, also, I, don't ask about Verdun right then. Yeah. Like, you know, be like, are you all right? And then a quiet evening at home. But, you know. <laughs> At the board meeting, Harry sums up his plan. He says that this housing thing will improve Selfridge's legacy, and he assumes everybody is with him. Then Crab stands up and says, I have something to say. He literally says that. <laughs> he says... Very Jerry Blank of him. Yes. He says he has a document showing the scope of their expansion. Harry's like, yes, expansion is healthy. And Crab says, so is prudence. He runs down a list of problems. They're still paying the price of the war. They're paying for excess female staff. They're pursuing an ambitious expansion program. And they have gambled on things such as the Information Bureau, which they're still hoping will work out, and the mail service, which has been a significant financial liability. And the directors are like... Harry takes a drink of water, and Crab goes on to the next document, which shows the impact of the expansion on all their share prices. Uh, nice moves, Mr. Crab. Glad you're alive, yeah. incidentally, and <laughs> yes. did not kill yourself. <laughs> Fashion show! Woo! Various models pose stiffly on rotating plinths, and the curtain comes up on the central model, which is Violette. Whoa! In a black Cleopatra wig and holding a parasol. Uh, the fresh-faced news guy from before is like, Violet Selfridge! And then, like, his buddy is like, shut up, dude! Yeah, this guy is weird. Yeah, he's really annoying. Yeah. He's no mustache. No, not at all. In the boardroom, Crab says that their biggest growth areas are cosmetics, beauty, and fashion, and that they should focus on those. At the fashion show, Violet goes from model to model. As she touches them, they come to life. Gary Oldman and Lava seem impressed. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is, it's a pretty yeah. solid thing, you know, for like no notice. Yeah. And kind of just having to deal with it. And the dresses are really dope. They are. Like, yeah. they're really awesome. Yeah. They deserve a fashion show. In the yeah. Take that, Julian Fellow. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. say what you will, but his quote unquote fashion show was a piece of poop. <laughs> This is true. The boardroom crab says that they are a retailer and housing, however well-intentioned, is not their thing and, by definition, is not going to reap them any tangible profit, which will affect all those shareholders that are in the room. He says that the project might be viable at another time, but not now, and he sits down. Harry is like, well, we all value Crab's opinion, in, including Harry, but it's just one man's opinion, and he asks for a show of hands so they can get started on this project. Ah, uh, nobody moves. And then finally, Nunu Gordon, like, puts his hand up in the air, like, in an annoyed way. And then pulls it back down immediately. Yeah. It's, uh... I was like, you know, you already fucked up once today, buddy. Yeah. Like, keep it up or keep it down. Yeah. Uh, so Harry's like, well, shit, thanks everybody, and, uh, gets up to leave, and Crab cannot make eye contact with Harry. The fashion show continues, and the models fan themselves and gather in a final tableau. Uh, 
the fresh-faced newsman says, you'll be all over the papers tomorrow, Miss Selfridge, which is weird because he's British. <laughs> uh, again, everybody's like, dude, fucking yeah. stop it. You are so annoying. Yeah. This is just bad etiquette. Yeah. Uh, but Gary Oldman and Lava did love the show. They thought it was great. Yeah. This is what they wanted when they wanted, uh, you know. Le Panache. De Selfridge. Yeah. Yes. Jazz. Everybody's dancing it up at Caliano's Again, racially diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeClaire comes in and George is like, whoa. Uh, LeClaire goes up to Fat Thomas who shakes his hand and asks what they can get for him and he would like a large whiskey. Is that even a size? Yeah. That <laughs> is offered, like if I went to a bar and was like, give me a large whiskey, like what do I get for that? Bartenders, please advise. Yeah. In Harry's office, Harry watches himself adjust his tie as there is a knock at the door. It's Mr. Crab. Harry says they'll give the surplus women a month's wages, and Crab says Mr. Grove will be relieved. He asks about Keebler, and Harry says he crossed the line. I played my part in that, no going back, which, yeah. look, Keebler was dead weight. Like, yeah. I honestly think he caused more problems than he was worth, which was very little. Right. Like, Certainly by the evidence we were given, he had nothing going for him. Crab says he'll spare Harry the trouble of dismissing him and hands him his resignation. <sighs> I got very emotional about this scene. Yeah. Harry tears it up and he says that he'll raise the money one way or another. And Mr. Crab says, it's my job to protect the company, even if that means it's from you. And he goes to leave. Harry asks where this leaves them. And Mr. Crab, the bravest man in the world, <laughs> says, changed, I fear, Mr. Selfridge, changed and leaves. That one scene alone, yeah, probably better than anything that happened in Downton Abbey this season. <laughs> it could be. No, and it's just so, and it's it's not a relationship you see particularly often. It's not a conflict that's, you know, I mean, it's not an unheard of conflict, but it's not a standard well, one. Well, there's just so few shows that really showcase, like, work relationships. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, not without, like, throwing, like, a bunch of sex in there. Right, exactly. And that's just never been... I mean, there have been obviously been staff relationships. Sure, sure. But Harry's relationship with Mr. Crab is of these two men, and, you know, they're very supportive of each other, and, you know, we, uh, we're we moving in a different direction mm-hmm. with them now. Yeah, yeah. We see Grove and Nunu Gordon getting off the elevator and giving each other weird looks. Uh, as the camera pulls back to show Gary Oldman congratulating Violette, who suggests that they celebrate... Uh, you know, in the French style. The camera pulls back further to show Connie telling some customer about one of the dresses, and Kitty tells her that she is a natural. Elsewhere, Agnes tells Miss Martle that she should have seen uh, Monsieur Leclerc and that she's worried about him. Miss Martle says that she's not the only wife feeling like that. The men who went to war aren't the same as the ones who came back. Uh, which, can we just shout out this show for being really super upfront? Yeah. Not only about the difficulty that men had with coming back from war, and not in a way of like, oh, I feel, you know, like less than, because I got shot or something like that, but like, right. just in a, in a just standard PTSD way that has very real consequences. Yeah. And, you know, and is affecting all of the different major male characters on this show. We know Mr. Grove got shot in the leg. Mm-hmm. We know now that George and Fat Thomas served in the same regiment together and we're seeing those relationships right. 
that I think is the key thing is that we're seeing the way that the military relationships are now bleeding into their civilian lives right, and right. what that looks like. Yeah. We're seeing these homeless soldiers, mm-hmm. uh, outside Sulphur just begging. Yeah. You know, we're just, we're seeing all of those consequences. Well, and we saw, and look at how the, the women, you know, despite Harry's big talk, he, A, last episode took it for granted that they couldn't work in the loading bay. He, you know, he was, he didn't challenge that assumption at all. Mm-hmm. And now this episode, he's throwing them under the bus. Yeah. So. Which he explicitly said he would not do. Right. But that's the thing about him. Like, Mr. Selfridge is very magnanimous until he's suddenly not. Yeah. Yeah. He's very mercurial. Yeah. At any rate, uh, Agnes says that she's his wife and they should be able to share everything. But Martel is not sure that that is how it works when your husband is a veteran. Yeah. Uh, also, she's never been married. So. Well. And then Mr. Grove walks up and Agnes heads off. Harry is walking to the elevator and he has a sad. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm not nailing it. <laughs> Grove has apparently offered Keebler's job to Martle. Uh, she says that the only reason she's there is to, like, make her resignation official. But Grove says that the store needs stability. Uh, Martle says that she's not qualified, but Grove says that they need her, even if it's just temporary. Martle says that uh, Selfridge could have anybody, but Grove says again that the store needs her and that he needs her. Grove says that baking is a charming quality in dogs, uh, but she doesn't recommend it for him. Grove asks if his begging worked, and Martel says, when do I start? He says, splendid. I'm dying to stick it to a woman who's not quite so feckin'. <laughs> Please, Josie. I need to have sex with a woman who's been through menopause. <laughs> when I out- said I wanted children, I didn't mean five. <laughs> Turns out I hate children. I thought I wouldn't, but I do. I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah. Flashbulbs go off, and Harry goes up to Lava and apologizes for her late arri- for his late arrival. Lava says that they've had her wonderful daughter to keep them company, and Gary Oldman says she had true Selfridge panache. Harry's like, yeah, I definitely was part of this whole thing. And Violet asks if she's earned a place at Selfridges. And Harry says, if it was any other day, but thank you so much. And I'm like, this is not. Yeah. I mean, look, Violet, don't bring this up right now in yeah. front of all these people. Yeah. Not well but like, played. Also, Harry, fucking shut up, dude. Yeah. yeah. At Caliano's, Fat Thomas asks Leclerc where he was. And he says, Verdun. Uh, Fat Thomas says that his lot, Leclerc's lot, holding out at that battle probably won the war. Leclerc asks about Fat Thomas. He says he was mostly at the Somme. Leclerc says that it's all over now, but Fat Thomas says it's never over. Haircut and George are troubled and looking on. George says that Leclerc has had enough, but Fat Thomas says he knows a man who is looking for oblivion when he sees one. Uh, This episode's really dark, by the way. It is. Like... And it all gets there in this last, like, 15 minutes yeah. of things just getting super fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a really unsettling hour of television. It was. Well, and, well, and it's a great episode. Yeah. But, like, you were, like, earlier, like, you want to watch it again. And I'm like, no, dude, I can't. <laughs> I can't watch it again. Yeah. Well, and also, note, again, just like Martle and Doris Classic, now we've got Fat Thomas and LeClaire hanging uh-huh. out together. Yeah, that's true. The homely architect is looking at a dress and Harry walks up and says the meeting didn't go well. Nancy says it'll be a long time before a feel like that comes up again, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah. 
Harry says he'll find another way and it was his fault and asks if he can at least gift her the suit she's looking at. The homely architect says, uh, no, dude, sell the suits to your customers with their money. Right. Harry says he's done everything possible wrong today and he wants to do one good thing and he says once only and he summons Connie who struts over and I'm like, oh, he's definitely yeah. trying to fuck. Yeah, he like, is. Like, he doesn't buy women clothes <laughs> unless that's what's happening. Like, I'm going to give you this suit. It would look great on my floor. Oh, so tacky that he would give all of his women accounts at the store. Yeah. Like, just, uh I just find that so gross. And like, and everybody knows, right? Right. Yeah. Like, keep your business no, to yourself, like, dude. Blankensop had like a file. I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would also probably have helped, you know, that the Miss Spenders and Ellen Loves of the World didn't flounce in being all entitled well, and acting like they owned the place. True. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, like those... he just went in, shopped discreetly, gave him a list, and was like, I want these things. Yeah. But, you know, that was a weird, gross thing, but it, like, generally fit with the women he was having that relationship with like yeah. that was what they wanted it was what he wanted yeah no yeah. that's true no this lady is definitely a departure yeah so maybe he's not just trying to fuck maybe he's also trying to get a new wife maybe because he certainly does seem to not function very well without one yeah well that's a, again if rose was alive probably the women would still have jobs at yeah. Selfridges. In a way that made financial sense for the company. Right. Sure. So Gary Oldman and Violette are at Caliano's, the only nightclub in London. Apparently. Yeah. Well, I think she wanted, well, look, she wanted to go there specifically. And I mean, he did specifically hire this band to give the place edge. True. And Violette seems like the type who likes edge. Yeah. And she does say that she has been there once before uh, and points out Fat Thomas. Gary Oldman offers her a seat and then goes up and snaps his fingers in the face of Fat Thomas, says that they need drinks. And Fat Thomas looks at Violette and she kind of like smirks at him. Uh, guess what? Bad news, Violette. No longer my favorite character. Yeah. She fucking crushes it this whole episode. And then this last scene. And then this? Yeah. What the shit? Yeah. What the shit, dude? Yeah. Oh, right. You're rich. Right. You were born rich. You just think people do stuff for you. Yeah. It, this was like startling. It was really upsetting. Yeah. Uh, at Loxley's or whatever. Right. Like there's a party. Uh, you know, Lord Edgerton is there. Yeah. So whatever it is, it's Loxley's shindig. Yeah. Uh, he certainly has an awful lot of people willing to hang out with him considering. Agreed. Uh, I didn't realize a seat in the House of Lords still mattered that much. Yeah, apparently it does. Loxley welcomes Sergei, who tells him that Harry refused to invest and warn him to keep away from Loxley. Again, didn't bother to look into it, independent of Loxley. Right. But Loxley says that it's all still, it's all just water under the bridge. He can't believe that Selfridge is the type man that would hold a grudge. Right. Which never, look, never trust that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and again, Sergei, at some point, could you just be like, a grudge about what, might I inquire? When he was learning English, <laughs> they didn't tell him how to ask questions. <laughs> they were always going to get to the question mark, and then they never did. <laughs> at any rate, uh, Loxley applauds Sergei for having a mind of his own and suggests that they pick up where they left off. In Selfridge House, Harry tells Fraser to have the family gather in the drawing this, room. He does this all the time, and it is so annoying. Yeah. Like, people have their own lives, dude. I know, man. They can't just gather in the drawing room. Back at Caliano's, Fat Thomas asks LeClaire if he's had enough, tells Elsa to cut him off. Yeah. A conga line is happening. Right. So this is a fun place. Yeah. 
Uh, Violette and Gary Oldman still don't have drinks. She says she'll deal with it and goes to Fat Thomas and very petulantly yeah. asks if they can have some service. Mr. Colliano. Right. He says, uh, I don't work for Selfridges anymore and my guests address me as Victor. I'll get to you as soon as I'm ready, Violette. Yeah. Boom. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. That was so amazing. Yeah. That was really, really, really. <laughs> I had no, like, how would you even? Yeah. Like, no. I mean, like, wow. Yeah. We were, I mean, you know, we're not accustomed to appreciating Fat Thomas in this way. No, we are not. <laughs> well, nor are we used to seeing such an unvarnished, you know, uh, class warfare skirmish. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Well, because what's inter- interesting about the Selfridges is, like, they're not aristocratic. Right. Like, but they are very rich. Right. And they're American, so they have this sort of buffer. Uh-huh. But, I mean, there is no particular reason for Victor Colliano to give two shits about them. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, it appreciates the fact that, you know, Victor is in a show called Colliano's, not a show called Mr. Selfridge. Yeah. You know, like, in his mind. Yeah. George points Agnes over to Monsieur Leclerc, and she asks... What's he talking to Victor about? <laughs> Which, like, if I was her, I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she walks up and she and Fat Thomas greet each other. Not unawkwardly, but yeah. it's all fine. Mm-hmm. Fat Thomas does kind of take some pleasure in telling Monsieur Leclerc, your wife is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Agnes tells him to go home and he's like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, he's drunk enough. He's going to go home. Yeah. At Selfridge House, the princess wonders where Sergei is. Rosalie thought he was with the princess. Nobody else cares. Ma comes in and asks if Marie is in her apartment yet and mentions the hotel bill. And the princess is like, oh, I thought I mentioned to Harry that uh, her apartment is being redecorated. And she's sure that Harry wouldn't mind, uh, wouldn't begrudge her the comforts of home. Harry announces that he has news, which is that he is bidding for that field as a lasting tribute to Rose's memory. Ama says that Rose would approve entirely. Uh, doubtful. Well, yeah. Rosalie asks if Sergei knows. Harry says that he does. Nobody asks why he had to call this meeting about this. Could you just not mention it at dinner or in passing? Nope. Like, nope. Had to do it now. Do they all get a vote on this? Also, Violet's not even there, so. Weird. Back at Loxley House, or wherever the hell they are, uh, Sergei is delighting young women as always, uh-huh. like a really solid husband. <laughs> and Edgerton comes up to Loxley and asks about him. Loxley says that he's taken Sergei under his wing and learned that Harry's investing in a housing project. Edgerton correctly points out there's nothing in that for Loxley, but Loxley disagrees and says that he will help Harry dig his own grave. Lizard stare, credits. Yeah. Like, in the field? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, in Acton? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, is he going to, like, bid up the price on the field? I guess. It's the only thing I can Look, think of. Look, I mean, they've been very coy about whatever his motive... Well, not his motives, but, like, whatever his sort of uh, plan is. Mm-hmm. Like, what the actual destruction of Harry Selfridge looks like. You know? And, I mean, you know, He's Harry's gonna... gone bankrupt before, hasn't he? I think so. I don't know. Maybe he's planning to dump a bunch of shoddy boots onto the field. (laughs) And then just run away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, solid episode, though. Great episode. Mm -hmm. Really liked it. Um, Yeah, just, you know, now that there was so much to get out of the way in that first episode, but it's pretty much all out of the way, and we're just like, 
in the swing of things. No. Uh, speaking of which, we read a really mean review of the show. Oh my god, yeah. Was that in the Globe, the and, Globe Mail. and Mail? Yeah. Which is Canadian, right? I believe so, yeah. So the guy is like writing about it. His name was John Daly? I don't know his name. John Doyle. Okay. And he basically was covering that Mr. Selfridge was on because he's like, I don't know why this show's popular. It's very stupid. And he clearly had never seen any of the previous seasons. Right. And hadn't watched this episode. Because the first episode, if you're coming to it completely devoid of context, yeah. it does look stupid and make no sense. Right. Uh, but anyway, this guy, we hate him. Yeah, he can go suck a fuck. That's right. <laughs> Which brings us to <laughs> this week's Selfridge Awards, a.k.a. the Selfies. Woo. Our first award, the Nailing It Award. And that one goes to Mr. Crab. Mr. Crab was nailing it. He was. Uh, much as it aggrieved him to do so, mm-hmm. you know, somebody had to step up in the face of corporate malfeasance, and mm-hmm. he did a nice job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, unlike Keebler, he did it at the right time and place. Yep. Yeah. Nicely done, mm-hmm. even if it did destroy his friendship with Harry. Yeah. Next up, we have the stick poke. For the most what-the-fuck moment. That's uh, right. That goes, I think, mostly to Fat Thomas yeah. uh, because of that interaction with Violet Selfridge. Right. Like, we just we didn't see that happening in this episode. No. Well, because she was so pleasant when she came in. And was right. like, oh, I've been here before. Like, it's not a restaurant, dudes. It's a bar. You go order your drinks at the bar and then carry them to your table. Yeah. Like, don't be asshats. Right. Yeah, so the ass hattiness was the stick poke. Yeah. Uh, but also the ass hattiness being handed back. Yeah. By yeah. Fat Thomas. Mm-hmm. Next, we have the Window Worthy Award. And that one goes to Violette for her modeling turn. Yes. No, she is very pretty. She is. Although a little unsettling looking. A little bit, but I just, I was struck, I mean, just the, the change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The eyeliner, man. Yeah. Huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of eyeliner. <laughs> That, yeah, next we have the eyeliner scale of eyeliner. And this episode, without question, liquid eyeliner That's all right. the way. Mm-hmm. Degree of difficulty, very high. Degree of execution, flawless. Smooth, rich. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's <laughs> eyeliner. Yeah, it's eyeliner. Uh, yeah, just, uh, so yeah, I mean, we've already said it, but it was just super, like, satisfying. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, really looking, looking forward to the third one. Like, I'm very compelled to know what happens next. Yeah. So. I mean, because I had my moments of like, man, I hope as soon as we start this spinoff podcast, the show doesn't go downhill. Yeah. Because, you know, that certainly is a possibility. Absolutely. No, but it's it's doing great. Yeah. So far, so good. Really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's the end of episode two. Uh, again, be sure to send your letters up yours downstairs at gmail.com. We will read two of them. That's right. Next week uh, to make up for missing this week. And yeah, we will see you next time. All right. Close the door. <laughs>